Hello, and welcome to a roundtable discussion on the Comic Book Page podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, I'm joined by guests for a lively conversation on a topic we hope you'll find interesting. In this roundtable discussion, I'm joined by my sister, Kay Kellum, and we're going to be talking about the first season of Gotham. Now, Gotham is currently, as we record this, into its fourth episode of the second season, but we just finished the first, haven't seen any of the second, so... So we can only spoil the first. We will definitely spoil the first and speculate about the second, but we cannot possibly spoil the second because we haven't seen any of it yet. I haven't even been watching the commercials for the second because I knew I was far enough behind in my viewing that I didn't want the commercials to spoil my viewing. All I know is it looks like they add a couple of new characters because I've been seeing the uh, the one-page ads in the comics. Ah. See, I had been noticing uh, in my TV listings that for season two, they've been subtitling every single episode, Rise of the Villains. Yeah. And well, and that's something, though, that's, that's worth talking about just in terms of the nature of the series. Because in a typical uh, Batman film that's an origin film, we've had a couple of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, it basically starts with Bruce Wayne and his parents going out to the movie theater. They get shot. He's traumatized. Roll forward 20 years. He's Batman. Gotham starts out with that same basic thing, except they don't roll forward. Well, and we've talked a few times as we've been viewing this, etc., that this is the show about the city that formed the people. In the Batman mythos, we know the city that inspired Bruce Wayne to become Batman and sort of shaped his mindset. Yeah. You know, if you've ever wondered what makes somebody put on that cape and mask, this show kind of explains what was he seeing, what was he experiencing that led to that decision. But not just that. How does it go from having an incredibly corrupted police force to having somebody like Commissioner Gordon in place? Yeah. How does a city wind up having all of these, you know, derelict amusement parks and warehouses for all the criminals to have and where all these thugs come from, you know? How does he get this kind of criminal underworld and just the seedy nature of the entire city? Yeah. Well, and the commercials that we saw when the show was very first beginning and it was first being announced made me think that we were going to be seeing the Al Capone era of Gotham. And I really feel season one gave us quite a bit of the major mob bosses and that kind of thing versus the Batman villains I think of from the Batman TV shows I grew up on. Well, and I wouldn't have expected any of the villains in so much as at this point, Bruce is what, 12, 14? Give or take, yeah. He's too young for these villains to to be in prominence. Yeah. Because if they were established at this point as the villains, the Batman villains we would expect, They've got a decade start on him. Yeah. Well, and I like that at one point, uh, Penguin thanks one of the mob bosses for being his mentor. Mm -hmm. Because to me, that kind of solidified, okay, yeah, I am thinking along the right lines of just as Bruce Wayne is growing up and being inspired to be Batman, these villains are also growing, maturing, and being inspired, just not in a positive way. Yes, but- by the people that came before them. And certainly the Penguin, I think, was one of the characters on the villain side 
that had the most growth, the most story, mm. and really was a, a fascinating character. I think on the villain side, for me, he was the most fleshed out. We got a home life for him. He was the lead on the villain side. Definitely. And we had Fish Mooney. We had uh, uh, Salvador Marconi. We had um, Carmine uh, Falcone. Falcone. Uh, all of which are, are out of the comics. Major mob bosses on that side. Fish Mooney, new to new with the show. See, and you had to point that out to me several times, and I kept asking you because she wasn't a name I recognized from my limited interaction with Batman. But it amused me because she came across as what I think a lot of us non-comic book readers think is a comic book villain. She was definitely in the vein of, of what you would expect. And my understanding is she's new to the show, and I want to clarify that, because I had also thought that was the same with Felicity Smoke and a few other characters, that it turned out to have been, you know, obscure comic characters. Yeah, well, and I mean, they've been writing comics for how many decades, and there are so 75 many- 75 years. Yeah, so many pages, so if you've missed one or two characters in all those years, we'll forgive you. Well, like over on uh, Flash, they've introduced in the second season- a character of, of Patty Spivet, mm. which I recognized from the more recent Flash comics, but turns out to have been a character that originated back in the 70s, just had an appearance or two and then was brought back later. So with the Batman stuff, which not only goes way further back, but has had multiple titles, multiple major titles, mm -hmm. Batman, Detective, to name two, but there was also Legends of the Dark Knight, uh, Brave and the Bold, you know, uh, Batman and the Outsiders. Uh, Batman the Dark Knight. I mean, there's a plethora of, of places for these characters to show up uh, just in the Batman feature titles. Yeah. I mean, right now, about a quarter of the DC lineup is taking place in or around Gotham City or the Batman characters. So a lot of these people have been fully fleshed out in various ways. Two of the uh, characters we got early in the series that just disappear Crispin mm. Allen and uh, Renee Montoya are well-known in the comics. Uh, ironically, both became superheroes later. Uh, Renee Montoya, I believe, originated in the Batman animated series that Bruce Timm and Paul Dini did. I could be wrong about that, but that's where she certainly came to prominence. Um, and Crispin Allen, I'm not sure when and where he originated, um, but Crispin Allen became the Spectre for a little bit. Renee Montoya became the Question for a little bit. But in here, they were playing the uh, internal affairs detectives. Well, and that was an interesting little subplot in terms of they used it to show what a good guy Jim Gordon is. Mm -hmm. But really, they didn't give those characters anything. It also showed, as I recalled, that a Penguin would rat out anybody. Yes. Now... Our watching history of this, I think, yeah. is worth talking about for a little bit. Yes. The season went about 10 episodes, broke for the, the winter holidays, then continued. We watched up through about the winter holidays. And we were loving it. We were watching it weekly at that point. It's good stuff. Yeah. The problem was the hiatus. It, and we just never got back on until recently. Yeah. The hiatus was long enough. It broke our habit of tuning in weekly. Yeah. And we've watched the, the second half of the season- Really, in what the last two, three weeks? Yeah, and we get a little bit of Montoya at the beginning. Yeah, because she was with Barbara at that point. But yeah, really, only one episode. Well, and there was really that 
that I think was part of the, they didn't know what to do with Montoya. Do they bring her in personally with Barbara? I think there was a lot of, they didn't know what to do with Barbara. Yes, definitely. I think she was all over the map. And there was a period in the second half of the first season where she has kind of abandoned her apartment for a little bit. Mm. Jim's moved out. And uh, Selena and uh, 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 Ivy. Ivy have moved in. I actually Although thought- Ivy just kind of vanishes too. Yeah, and that's one thing I will say about the show that kind of frustrated me was at the end of episodes, I would end up saying, okay, where's Ivy been? Just how long has Fish Mooney been on that helicopter? There are definite times where characters just vanish into the woodworks. And for some of them, like Ivy... I think if that actress had been as strong as the one they got for Catwoman oh, or the, for Selena. Yeah, the one playing Selena. I want to look up her name because she is doing just a phenomenal job. Uh, Cameron Bikendova, and I'm sure I said that wrong, but I'm convinced she has a dance background and I love the movements she's doing. Her body language reeks of cat burglar-ish sort of things. Mm-hmm. And her attitude. Well, there was one point, I think it was in the final episode of the season, where somebody said something that would make you just stop and go, huh? And she did that tilt of her head like a cat would do. Well, like a cat, but there's also that body language, the expression. She can do a lot without saying a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what acting background she has, what acting coaching she's gotten. Or if she's just a natural at this, but she's very talented. Mm -hmm. And I was just loving her character throughout the season. Although I will admit what they did in the last episode or two with her kind of working there at the end for Fish. Yeah, that was very strange. It it just seemed to be a little out of nowhere. Uh, It changed up her look a little. And I think it was needed to set her up for where Catwoman's going to be. Now, one of the questions that Sam asked me after we recorded uh, the the latest Mayo report, or maybe he asked during, I forget which, maybe during, but um, was that if I thought the portrayal of Catwoman in Gotham was hurting the sales of the comic books, it was probably during the episode. Sam and I tend to talk for quite a bit afterwards about TV shows, so. I can't imagine why. Uh, it's, it's part of why I enjoy, you know, recording with him is not just the fun during the recording, but we have great conversations afterwards. I was going to say, it's like you two have common interests or something. But he was pointing out how Catwoman in the comics is a much more sophisticated character, a much more adult character, and how the one we're getting here is almost tomboyish, uh, uh, very much a kid, and counter to say, the Eartha Kit Catwoman from the the Batman TV show. Well, it's funny you mentioned the Eartha Kit one because there were times, especially when uh, Fish Booney ended up in the basement at the doctor's hospital place, where she had kind of that cat suit wardrobe for at least an episode or two, and she was reminding me of the Eartha Kit character yes. wardrobe-wise. And in that respect, I can see someone saying, hey, maybe Fish Mooney ought to mentor Selena for an episode or two. Definite aspects of the Fish Mooney character harken back to the Eartha Kit, Julie Newmar, Catwoman's of the, the Batman TV show, arguably also the Halle Berry mm. uh, Catwoman uh, movie and such. 
So it's clear that the people doing this show are heavily entrenched in the comics and the previous incarnations of these characters. Mm -hmm. They kind of understand what works, what doesn't. If you wanted just a police procedural in a yesteryear gangster mob boss kind of a, a thing, Gotham Gotham delivers that. It does. Now, it's also got the Batman mythos sprinkled throughout or, or drenched mm -hmm. throughout in some respects. Well, and maybe now's the time to mention that uh, I actually had this conversation with our parents of the advantage mm -hmm. to a character for like Fish, uh, Fish Mooney Fish and Maroney and Falcon for me. Because I don't know these characters at well, all. Falcone's definitely a, a, a key aspect of the comics. But they're one of those things that they are part of the backstory versus characters. And I know where you're going with this. Characters like Alfred, Commissioner Gordon, and Bruce that are... Integral. Integral and almost immortal because of that. Yeah, and... You can't kill them off in this series if this is a prequel to the Batman to come. Yeah, see, when you stab Alfred... I know he's going to be okay. I know he's not even going to be paralyzed from the legs down or from the waist down because I've seen him walk around and deliver drinks in the movies, folks. But he could still have been infirmed and able to walk around and deliver drinks, but not do strenuous stuff, not be able to go out in the field, you know, because mm -hmm. he was a, a Marine-ish kind of, a, you know, special forces guy before. I think they gave Alfred an excellent background. I think they cast Alfred remarkably well. Yes, that's another one I he will. He plays the valet butler really well, the father figure really well, but also the he's got the background. He he is the later in life version of Batman after action by a decade or two, and mm -hmm. the one that can train this kid to become Batman or guide him along the right path. The actor is Sean Pertwee, and in keeping with what you're saying... There's this aspect of me that thinks, you know, when the Wayne parents were doing the hiring, they probably knew whoever we hire into this position is going to be someone our child bonds with, someone who may, heaven forbid, be guardian of our child at times when we can't be there, someone with bodyguard capabilities, well, but good heart and compassion, too. That's the thing, the bodyguard capabilities. I think this is based a bit on the Batman Year One, mm. or Batman Earth One, uh, hardcovers they've done. Interesting. And in those, we wind up with an Alfred that almost feels like a Sean Connery type. Ah. Mm-hmm. And he was interviewing with the Waynes as bodyguard around the time they got killed and realized somebody had to look out for this kid. And Bruce is like, who the hell are you? He's like, uh, I'm your butler. Okay, you're stuck with them kind mm -hmm. of, you know, figuring he had to keep keep an eye on the kid, keep him safe. But it was very much not a traditional butler background, but so I, I think they were trying to bring some of that in, mm -hmm. yet also acknowledge the Alfred we expect from the movies, the TV show, the comics, mm -hmm. of he is the the valet, the butler, the, the, the manservant. Well, they did some great scenes when they had his old buddy look him up, where he's talking about his past in the military service and his wanting to leave that behind. Yes. And his having found another job that fulfilled him because... He got to care for Bruce, to be part of a family in that respect, and to kind of stay away from the vices. We know Alfred's been around with the, the Waynes for some time. Don't know how long. 
few years. Yeah, I was going to say long enough to know some of their annual rituals. Well entrenched, been there multiple years. I'm going to say at least four or five. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a solid part of Bruce's thing. And based on what we get near the end of the season, with what's going on at uh, the Wayne Company, I forget if they call it Wayne Enterprises, Wayne Foundation, or if they even give it anything beyond just Wayne. It's not the foundation yet. They give it something, but it's definitely a, a conglomerate company. The people running it knowingly are doing bad things. Yeah, that kind of annoyed me. And Bruce's father knew that. And depending when he became aware of it, or maybe it was when he had a kid, that may have been what, what brought him into hiring somebody. Mm-hmm. And again, going towards bodyguard, uh, the ability to, to, to protect him if he needs it. Mm-hmm. And I'd have to go back to the pilot and rewatch just the opening to really get any sense of who Thomas Wayne is in this reality. Yeah. Um, I was thinking that too, actually. But prominent philanthropists, etc., which seems very much at odds with what we're learning about the Wayne stuff at the end, corporate-wise. Well, but we were told by uh, Lucius that uh, his dad was a Stoic who put on for the world the face that they expected to see and held in to himself. I'm hoping to see a lot more of Lucius moving forward than I expect to. He's one of the prominent uh, supporting cast characters. If you had to boil the Batman mythos down to as few characters as possible. The top of the list, obviously, Batman. Can't have it without him. After that, Commissioner Gordon. Mm -hmm. After that, Alfred. After that, it really starts to get up a little up for grabs on the good guy side. I'm ignoring the villains, obviously. Do you put in Robin? Do you put in Lucius? Mm, interesting. I mean, to okay. me, they're, they're almost neck and neck. Well, now going out of what we're watching in this reality, do you put in Barbara or do you put in the uh, Doctor? Oh, Lee. Uh, Leslie Tompkins. There you go. Um, I would be more inclined to go with Leslie Tompkins because she has been, she was more the mother figure to Bruce, the uh, the one who would patch him up after he got, in, you know, as Batman and stuff. She was in on the secret. But she was, again, like Commissioner Gordon, older. Mm -hmm. I don't really recall much of any relationship between uh, those two in the comics. But she, I mean, first off, we're four or five years into the New 52 continuity where they pretty much chucked all that. And the, the, the Commissioner Gordon we're getting now, frankly, is more in lines with what we're seeing on the TV show mm. than more classic stuff. Mm -hmm. And to me, the if I had to pick a, a live action actor that I think personified the, the, the traditional Gordon of the comics, I'd go from the one from the, uh, the, the 60s TV show, older guy... You know, clearly been around the block. I mean, not that mm -hmm. portrayal of him, but mm -hmm. that sense of him. Mm -hmm. And she's a, a major factor. Barbara is just a supporting cast of Commissioner Gordon and almost always past tense mm. as either the mother of Batgirl or aunt. Okay. At times, Batgirl has been the niece of Commissioner Gordon and the daughter of. Got it. Currently daughter of. Um, so she's needed for that, and I think recently in the the New 52 stuff, or shortly before, she'd been involved in the storyline present day stuff, but again, supporting cast of somebody else. Well, see here, I really liked the Doctor from the moment they brought her in. Yeah, Marina Baccarin from uh, Firefly, Homeland. Stargate, Homeland, uh, she's just all over the place. Yeah, excellent actress, doing a great job with this character. Yeah. 
And I mean, the fact that they wrote her a very good, very strong, very compassionate character. Oh, and we very much see that at the end of the season with her and Barbara mm-hmm. and how that plays well, out. Well, okay. That's, uh, you know, she she's also a strong woman who can fight for her life when it yes. calls for it, you know. And I'm still trying to figure out what the psycho uh, serial killer put in the water they gave to Barbara. Again, it comes down to what's going on with Barbara. Yeah. But Leslie Tompkins, I think, was a good introduction. She has not had a single scene where she's met Bruce, yeah, talked about Bruce, anything of the sort. So I'm curious where that goes. But that goes back to it's not a show about Bruce or Batman. True, but I kind of expected that Jim and Leslie would step up and help out with Bruce when Alfred got stabbed. I was expecting that too. And the fact that Alfred got over being stabbed pretty quickly. Yes, People bounce back from things really fast. Well, and the fact that it was a well-trained military person who conceivably knows where to stab to do great entry and to just knock you out of his way because it was his friend. A line of dialogue of, oh, he got lucky. Yeah. It could have been much worse. Yes. With a, it wasn't luck kind of a line afterwards. That would have been very nice. Yeah. So, Um, yeah. But that goes to, there's a sense of- Injuries not really being that big of a deal in this universe. Yeah. Because a lot of people get banged up pretty bad. Fish Mooney sure recovered fast. Well, I mean, the irony is, uh, yeah, fish recovered fast, but then you've got people like uh, a Penguin. Yeah. Who were apparently part of their story to not recover. Yeah. With the, the, the funny walking and stuff like that. Yeah. Which is funny because I don't think that actor needed that to Mm-mm. sell the character. No. But it would be a different character without the 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 walk. Yeah. And again, to me, he's one of the highlights of the show. They cast exceptionally well. They wrote it exceptionally well. Yeah. And it just, it plays well. Mm-hmm. And this is Penguin at the start, at his start, from well, a nobody to becoming a somebody. And I guess that's the thing. By the end of the season, we have seen Jim come from being kind of new guy in the department mm-hmm. to running for uh, president of the the policeman's union. Yeah, or, something. yeah, something to that effect. Uh, but Penguin is now standing on a rooftops ledge, declaring himself the king of Gotham, which I think is a little premature. But he went from being somebody who just held Fish's umbrella. To a major player in Gotham. Yeah. Well, and he's pretty sure he's got fish out of the way. Maroney, admittedly, is he's out of the way. He's also the only character to firmly adopt their persona. Yes. Because we've had various other Batman villains in the show, uh, some as regular, some as, as, as just one-offs. And none of them, for the most part, went through that kind of arc. Mm-hmm. They either were who they were and got the name associated with them, like Dollmaker. Yes, that was kind of creepy. That was one that I really thought was disgusting and didn't care for. Mm-hmm. Um, but also Scarecrow. Uh, we get Riddler, but he hasn't become the Riddler yet. He goes through the psychotic break, apparently, at the end of the season, but he's still not the Riddler. Um, we got a few others here and there. Well, I guess the question in that respect is, next season, will Oswald insist everyone only call him Penguin, which is a name he hated in this season? He's already done that. Interesting. And it's the Penguin. Yes. Part of it, though, is we're still a decade before Batman. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So you can start to introduce these characters, but in the case of Scarecrow, it's more his father's story than his. Mm-hmm. And it's it again, it's too early for some of this. You know, Selena is clearly Selena. You can see her on the way to mm-hmm. becoming Catwoman, mm-hmm. but not there. Which is ironic because she's got the goggles, she's got the basic outfit and stuff of Catwoman. But ten she, years too early. Yeah, but she's she's a street kid. I was gonna say she's not truly criminal yet, but she, as much as she says, I don't, I don't want to put the love word in her mouth, but as much as she's sitting there saying, I don't like Bruce, I don't love Bruce, I'm not part of the Wayne Manor household, etc. She was really peeved at the guy who stabbed Alfred. Yes. She doesn't make attachments for fear of it being something that could be used against her. Mm-hmm. And she's very much put up emotional walls. Mm-hmm. But she is both intrigued by and likes Bruce. Yeah. You know, and it's part of the premise of the show and the conceit of the show that's sometimes a little hard to swallow, but you just got to go with, is that the people that are going to be literally the headliners of Gotham a decade from now. That if you were to, to pick up the newspaper, mm-hmm. these are the people who are going to be on the front page if they do anything. Happen to all be intersecting in random ways almost. Like when Bruce is knocking on the door of a gun range and Penguin walks along in the background on the street. Yes. Yes. Like Catwoman and uh, Poison Ivy uh, as children camping out at Commissioner Gordon's ex-girlfriend's place you know Mm -hmm. well now in that one at least selena knew that that was jim's place yes and no it's not accidental yeah she knew that jim wasn't staying there so because ivy was sick she took a chance but all of them interacting so much at this point and then again yeah you know is it going to be that way presumably for the next few years as the series rolls on and it also comes down to where where does this series stop hmm if it were to run its quote-unquote natural course, I mean, to mm-hmm. me, they could literally go 20 years and have the last five or six, basically. Periodically, it almost rolls over into a new kind of a show. Well, and that last arc yeah. of multiple years would be its Batman. Okay, but let yeah, and keeping with that, let's go with it this way, though. In this season, we paired up, if you will, Dick Grayson's parents. Yes. So conceivably, the final season is Dick Grayson's arrival. I would. I don't mean birth. I mean actual. No, 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 no. I know what you mean. I mean to me, there's a chunk here of Gordon's rise to power. Mm-hmm. There's a chunk, and it wouldn't necessarily be called Gotham, but Bruce traveling the world, learning to be Batman. Then there's a a chunk of he's in Gotham as the neophyte Batman and becoming the Batman we know. And somewhere mid through there is where you'd get Robin, etc. Mm-hmm. And I don't expect them, obviously, to go that full thing. They can't. But it almost seems like this show, depending how long it lasts, ends with with Bruce leaving Gotham to go train, Gordon firmly in power as junior commissioner, or something, mm-hmm. but still having an uphill battle, but, but he's got it. Yeah. You know, the question is, how do you, because he can't have, have cleaned up Gotham, it's, it's, it's Gotham. Well, now, does this Commissioner Gordon know, understand, realize that Bruce is Batman? Well, obviously not yet, because Bruce isn't Batman, but... But in your your great 15, 20-year plan... No, because he's... Bruce will go onto a path that, that's kind of the Clark Kent route. Mm. 
you know, the Playboy millionaire creating that persona, he will be, he would be continually in the future wondering whatever happened to you. You know, you could have been. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, but I, I funded a new hospital. I, I, I'm giving you what you need for the to run for commissioner or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, he would be disappointed, but understand. I think is is how I see it in the future. Yeah, and I could easily see the last, maybe even episode, full episode being. It's now twenty years later. See, the thing to me is, if Commissioner Gordon is fully in on the secret, you don't need the bat signal. I want the bat signal. I think he can't be fully in on the secret, whether he knows or not. He can't officially know because that changes the dynamic. Yeah. Of what's legal and what's not. Yeah. But they're also having this commission, this this detective Gordon, do things that are not even questionable, flat out wrong. Yeah. Yet trying to do what's right. He's he's a very he's got a very clear moral compass, but enough pragmatism that adhering to that compass is challenging for him. And in the very end, the mob boss who's leaving town is telling him, you know, you're like your father, one of the most honest men I ever knew. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's whenever Gordon does wrong, it's for the right reasons. Yeah. And because he doesn't have a choice. He's got to go to Penguin for help. He's got to do something. Yeah. And it's funny because those are usually the cases where Bullock is saying, don't do this. Yeah. And Bullock is the one who often does wrong because his moral compass, eh, not so good. Oh, and Bullock is the one who was in with Fish Mooney, who was in with all of these people at the beginning of the show. And he's a bit different of a Bullock than I'm familiar with from the comics. He's definitely evolved over the season. Oh, yeah. And I like him better now than at the beginning. If I were to cast a modern day Batman show, i.e. current with contemporary Batman, Mm -hmm. a true Commissioner Gordon and stuff, the person I would be tempted, maybe a little old now, uh, to play Bullock is um, Dan Laura, who played the father on- Wonder Years. Wonder Years. Also played the dad more recently in um, Perception. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, older guy, definitely more the out of shape, you know, kind of, of career cop, but desks, you know, sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. In other words, doesn't have to go past the physical every year, that kind of a thing. But- the other aspect that was a big thing with the comic version is how much Bullock was into noir movies, the 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 glamour of Hollywood detectives. Mm-hmm. Whereas we've gotten really almost none of that here, but it, it's not missing. It's just a different take on the character. Yeah. And it's a good person for him to have been paired up, Gordon to have been paired up with. You know, going in with your, you'd like to see the final episode 20 years from now, they've, whether they meant to or not, they've kind of set this back towards mid to late 90s the flip phones the cars we're not seeing a lot of computers but when we're seeing them they seem to have the big monitors yes it's definitely set 20 30 years ago so conceivably your 20 years in the future final episode could have contemporary batman with arrow with the flash absolutely do something and it would make for one heck of a roundup. If this were to continue successful and such, the Titans show t- uh, TNT's planning on doing could easily be set in the present day of this universe. Mm. There's nothing to say this isn't in the past of Arrow, of Flash, of Legends of Tomorrow, of Supergirl. Mm-hmm. And whether they can pull all that together or not, whether they want to or not, if they could get all that together, mm-hmm. 
that is just such a cohesive, rich narrative universe to deal with. Yeah. But is there any need to is the thing. Agreed. But it would be fun to see an elder, you know, Commissioner Gordon interacting with uh, Quentin Lance from Arrow, uh, uh, Joe Allen or uh, Joe uh, West from uh, from Flash. Mm-hmm. Um, and just see how all that plays out. Yeah. I like how this has that period piece feel of it without mm-hmm. really harping on that. It just happens to yeah. take place in an older day. They still have tons of filing cabinets. Yes. It's not like everything is computerized. It yeah. feels as much like a 70s, 80s show as anything else. Not that I think it's set that far back. No, but like the hospital Falcone was in at the end didn't feel like a modern hospital. Yeah. Things are older, dingier, darker. Mm-hmm. Grittier, grimier, and that's just that's Gotham. Yeah. So I think they've done a, a really good job, but it's also one of those shows where it was easy to fall out of the habit of watching. Yeah, and that's disappointing to me, given I really enjoy it. I really like it, but I'll be honest, there were a couple that we saw more recently, particularly the Dollmaker stuff, mm. that was just thoroughly disgusting. It's like I don't need to watch this. Yeah. And there were also a lot of places where it's, you know, it's been a couple episodes since we've seen Bruce and Alfred or Selena or or Bruce, Leslie. Yeah, Bruce and Alfred definitely went missing for two straight out episodes. Uh, Fish Mooney was off in her helicopter for an entire episode at least. And when she reappeared, she has seen and then it said two weeks later. Well, she escapes from Dollmaker in the helicopter. She gets shot. Mm-hmm. Next we see her, it's an unknown amount of time, presumably two weeks ago, i.e. shortly after the helicopter landed somewhere, but they're now in a boat and she's fine. She's doing a Pirates of the Caribbean arrival wherever Selena is. How did she survive the bullet wound? How did she know how to fly a helicopter? I don't know. But they they have her kick the bucket, so to speak, at the end, uh, and I'm fine with that. I, I didn't expect her character to move on to a second season. The way she plummeted into the water she can or cannot either way they could easily bring her back they could oh but you died you were in the water fish mooney yeah exactly you know but she was a great character for establishing other characters she was needed to set up penguin falcone marcone the whole mob scene yeah and it worked well i just am curious how much we're going to stay with the mob level criminals or are we going to start to to because we got some of the the more colorful ones in the first season but really more hinted at than than Mm -hmm. as such but are we going to start getting more street level costumed characters because we've got the red hood and a few things like that but is that the rise of the villains we get second season and do we still have that 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 one level of of street crime and then this other level of the more super criminal not say super powered Mm mm-hmm but something that is just at a different level. Well, by the time of the Batman I'm used to watching, Penguin, Joker, Riddler, they're at the Falcone and Maroney level. I guess to me, those are the people heading that street level of crime. I would still put those at a different level of, of thing. I guess my question is, how how long does it take to get from where Penguin is as of this last episode to where... Falcone is retiring from. 
And is this the rise we're watching? Or are we watching other people we haven't seen before make a rise? There's a hierarchy within street crime mob stuff. But even at any one of those levels, they operate in a certain mindset of just mm-hmm. this is an, an efficient way to do business. Mm-hmm. Then you start to get to the showboaters, yeah, the super criminals, which whether they're at the lower tier or the Marconi, you know, head of crime boss or the, yeah. the Falcone level, um, they operate at a, we're going to spend a certain amount of money for the, the pomp and circumstance of robbing the bank. Well, and there's the butch has a bunch of cops on the payroll to go and tell the liquor delivery people your permits out of order or whatever and just drive off with the truck. Whereas Penguin shows up with two guys and a bunch of guns to get the same liquor truck. Whereas the Joker would, would have, you know, the Joker, the Riddler, any of the, the say, the, the, the Batman TV show era, that, that the way they did crime is fundamentally different. It's smaller operations, more mom and pop business, if you will. Uh, themed thugs, mm. the gimmick, the, the- I was going to say, we haven't gassed anybody or, or smoke bombed or- Again, the smoke bombs, the, the, the large props, the, mm-hmm. the themed costumes, that sort of a thing. It's not a level of how mature, how long have you been in business, how, where in the pecking order are you? It's a different pecking order. Yeah. And they operate on different enough rules that you just would not mess with somebody like a Mr. Freeze or Firebug who's got like a flamethrower kind of a thing if you're a street criminal. That's- Yeah. Those those other people, these new guys are just crazy. Yeah. Well, and you know, we were saying uh, Enigma, the Riddler, seemed to have his psychotic break at the end of this season. I think the Penguin will have that same type of break when somebody kills his mother. I don't think he needs to have this psychotic break. I think he's on the, the the road. He's kind of the bridge character. Interesting. They're not playing him as the guy who's going to go rob a bank with a trick umbrella. Yeah, true. I just think that he's kind of the more stable version of himself at the moment. But if anybody kills Mama, he goes over the edge. I guess I'm seeing him as I'm familiar with the one running the Iceberg Lounge and stuff like that from the comics, the later cartoons, where he is the mob boss, but has enough of that persona that he can travel in those other realms with the Riddler, the Joker, etc. Interesting, yeah. Because this Penguin is never going to become like the one we saw from the TV series. Interesting. Now, what do you see for Butch? Short future. Okay. He's a lieutenant of one of these guys. Lieutenants don't move up, they die. True. Henchmen don't move up, they go to jail, they die. That's yeah. that's yeah. the difference between the two. You can start at the bottom and work your way up to be a, a, a Falcone. Not many will, but some could. That just doesn't happen. You don't work your way up in the Joker's organization. Yeah, that's true. You're either born the Joker or not. Unless you're in the Redhead Gang. Which again, short lifespan. Yeah. But I don't know that we're ever going to get to the point in Gotham where we get people like Clayface with shape-shifting abilities or stuff like that. They're geared more towards a grittier reality, a more mm-hmm. tangible, real world. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. That's good. There yeah. are plenty of other Batman villains that are fun to play with without superpowers or with ones that are, eh, he's just on steroids. He's on some kind of muscle enhancer sort of a thing. To, those are the ones you can play with that are fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, the minute you need to start bringing in people who could actually 
fly under their own steam, uh, shapeshift or whatever, it's a different show. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Now, given where this season ended, do you see what Barbara going off to Arkham? <laughs> What's Barbara's future? I don't know what Barbara's future is. I think they got rid of her relationship with Jim too early. Hmm? The way she's going, she can't be the future mother of Batgirl. She should already be pregnant at this point is kind of my thought on that. Okay. Because again, Batgirl, Robin, roughly mm. same age. Arguably, she's a few years older than Robin, the original. Yeah, Robin. yeah. Um, so I have no idea where they're going with her. And we have no idea if Jim Gordon's an only child in this show. Fair point. They could go the route of uh, just at some point his his sibling has a kid, daughter, mm-hmm. um, which I think is the more sensible route. It's just this Gotham, it doesn't make sense for him to have kids yet. Yeah. Yeah. Too, da- too dangerous. Yeah. It's irresponsible of him. Well, they've been pretty consistent in the writing of Jim Gordon. Pretty single track minded on he's the good guy, etc. Harvey Bullock, for me, has kind of grown over the season and improved. Yes. Uh-huh. I think he's become a better person character over the season. Barbara was all over the place. Yep. And Selena, I think, was pretty true to herself. Selena, yeah. She was very, very solid. There were a few times when it looked like they were going to kind of take her and, you know, shoo her into Wayne Manor, and they said, no, we're not going to do that. Uh, they, She explores different options but remains true to herself. Yeah. And I took the stuff at the end with Fish along those lines. It's a good gig. But yeah. she was ready for it to, to, to blow up in her face and get the hell out of there. Yeah. Well, in the way she was edging away from Fish when Fish wasn't as advertised. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, she's got a good head on her shoulders. But the fact that she didn't help Jim at the end, a little disappointing. I mean, I know who she's supposed to be in the future, but Jim's been pretty good to her. Yeah, leaving him to die. She's she's not as attached to Jim as she is to Bruce. But she knows Bruce is attached to him. True. So, but I really- If nobody else had been there to help Jim, she would have. Agreed. Okay, I'll give you that. But Selena, excellent character. Yeah. Um, like I said, I like Dr. Tompkins. I like Leslie, how they mm-hmm. brought her in. Uh, the captain improved considerably. She's another one that's from the comics. She, at one point, was married to uh, to Gordon. Oh. Was she, at the beginning, when she first came in early in the season, I wasn't too sure about her, but she definitely improved over the season. Um, Commissioner Loeb, they seem to waffle a little on on the end. Uh, we've got stuff on him. He's going to play by our game. Oh, no, he thinks he's got guys with guns behind him. He's not going to play along. He's Pierce he's, Galari, he's, I love. Don't oh, get yeah, me wrong. And it's very interesting role for him to have taken. It's almost a little against type or whatever. Definitely. This is a long ways from Bosom Buddies. Oh, yeah. Or uh, Honey, <laughs> I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah. Or- because he did the uh, the TV show of that. Yeah. I mean, he's a great comedian. Yeah. Definitely. He was also in uh, one of the Newhart shows. Yes. Different type of role for him, but it shows... And, and casting him was good because having somebody that would have been physically imposing in that role would have been wrong. Mm-hmm. So having somebody who clearly was there because he'd worked his way up, blackmail people, whatever. A lot of fun. But it is the corruption, the systemic corruption of Gotham that Gordon is fighting against. Mm -hmm. Well, and he can keep that straight, unaffected face, no matter what you say to him. Mm -hmm. Well, and if his character gets taken out, two or three others could go in before, I mean, we're still a long ways before Jim could even really be a viable choice for for Commissioner. Agreed. 
And uh, it, it could be that the, the end of the series is him getting, yep, you're commissioner now. Yeah. Uh, we met the, I guess, district attorney Dent. Harvey Dent, yeah. Um, I kind of liked him more at the end of the season than when we met him early on. Yeah, he was another one that went away for a long time. Yeah. And when they brought him back, they could have at least used his full name and a few things like that. Yeah. Like, I think this is Harvey. And yeah. part of that's just how long of a break we had between watching episodes, too. Agreed. Agreed. But when they brought him back, he uh, he was very supportive of Jim's wanting to fight the corruption, wanting to do the right thing. So In the comics, at one point, he was an ally of uh, Batman and, and Commissioner Gordon early on, before he was at a trial, got splashed with acid, became Two-Face, etc. So, again, they're staying kind of on that arc. Yeah. And I would hope he stays as Dent and doesn't become Two-Face until well into the game. Because otherwise, he, all of this is something Batman's got to clean up, not something... Because in a lot of the movies, a lot of the stuff, Batman is active against the street-level thugs, and then the crazy happens. Yeah. It's not like the crazy happened, and then he said, well, I should join in. Well, I should go I, fight this. And I guess the thing is, you know, everything happening in Gotham, it's a combination of it inspires and it motivates Bruce to step up and be Batman. Mm -hmm. So I can see where he's sitting there looking at all of this saying, if only someone would, if only someone would. And then something happens that makes him say, okay, that's it. I'm putting on the cape. I'm stepping in. But it seems to me that the act of him putting on the cape and stepping in might accidentally trigger someone like Penguin going from being a somewhat controlled and contained evil to being the, well, if that's what I'm up against, out of control evil. Yeah, I don't see that happening, but it does beg the question of how Bruce's arc completes. Mm-hmm. Where is Bruce at at the end of the series? And that depends how long the series runs, obviously. But then also, at what point does he put the plan together of I'm going to become something like Batman? To I He's going to become Batman. To mm -hmm. he is Batman. Now, the other thing to consider is like uh, One Tree Hill decided that TV shows have a real hard time when they send characters to college and go with them. So they skipped those four years they could easily come back it's now been another year it's been six months whatever and i think doing those periodic breaks makes a certain degree of sense but it comes down to not knowing how long they've got and it comes down to aging the characters factor faster than the actors age i was gonna say i really like the guy playing uh bruce yeah he was on touch i think so yes yeah. but he he doesn't look like somebody that would grow up to become Batman. Physically, he doesn't look that way. Yeah, he's still... He's pulling off the role. He's still very young and very introverted, but part of me thinks that's why he can be fearless with the mask and the cape. I think it's less the introverted than the physicality. I see the future Catwoman in Selina. Yes. I don't see the future Batman in Bruce. He's well, scrawny. He's scrawny, and we're not seeing the we're seeing the research, we're seeing the intelligence, but we're not seeing the inventiveness. Well, the inventiveness or the working out. At what point does he says, "I've got to get stronger yeah. physically?" Well, and I totally agree with that. But when I think of Batman, I think of the guy who has all the gizmos on the belt because he doesn't have the superpowers. But that's as much Luchas potentially as anything else. 
by bringing in Lucius Fox. We don't know exactly what role he has. Yeah. It, but he was saying he put cameras everywhere. Yes. Which presumably other people have access to because he's saying, you know. Yeah, yeah. Don't react. And in the, 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 the later movies, Lucius is certainly the, the inventor of all the toys or the procurer of the toys. So, I mean, he's got to have a little inventiveness as uh, for Bruce just to say, hey, this is what I want. Mm-hmm. But, and I guess I can kind of see this kid growing up to become the Christian Bale Batman. Mm. It's just there's, we're getting within another season or two of where they have to start actively. He's doing the working out. He's doing this. He's he's learning this. He's got these tutors. He's got, mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's no longer just reacting. He's formulated a plan and he's being proactive knowing it will take years to get to where he wants to be. Mm-hmm. Well, and that crossing to the point of being proactive is going to be an interesting point. I liked how the season ended with the discovery of what will presumably become the Batcave. Yeah. It's I, certainly a, a pivotal it, moment for him. Well, and it's an excellent way to end our revelation, uh, not to make a bad pun, but opening a great many doors for storytelling and possibilities. What was your thought of him discovering the cave? Presumably that's what it is. This way, whereas when he had the uh, the go for the camp out, see the sunrise bit, I was expecting him to fall into mm. a cavern, see the cave, because that's kind of how it's happened in the comics. So, see to me that would have felt like Zorro, um, as as it should. Okay, uh, you know that would have worked too. Um, I liked that bit with the camp out and with Alfred and stuff because Alfred sat at the top, monitoring the situation, but oh, not helping I love him. Alfred in that scene, um, it's like you had it under control, kid. Yeah, yeah, and well, and comparing that to what Barbara's complaining about at the end of, you know, my parents just ate away at my self-esteem every chance they had. Yeah. Alfred is building up Bruce every way he can. Well, and discovering the cave the way they did, and uh, it doesn't answer, it, it sidesteps certain questions of how do you retrofit the manor for all of this stuff? Well, it already is. Mm-hmm. But that just pushes the question as to well, how did it get this way? Well, and I would you know, love to see the blueprint of the room and actually understand how the fire rolling backwards creates a door to a cave where I thought there was a hallway. Well, there is. Clearly, the fireplace has got a floor that that part is sliding back. But the question is, what the hell was behind it? Because we've got bookcases around that whole side. There's the 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 study or whatever has windows out to the the thing on the other the opposite side of that i guess i thought there were hallways on both sides of the fireplace uh so if there's only a hallway to the left and there's no hallway to the right then the stairs go down to the right that makes sense yeah i think i don't think there was a hallway along that wall interesting that okay. wall i think was opposite the window and i think if you're from the window looking at the fireplace off on the right was the place where the hall where the doors were to the room hmm Interesting. But, again, we don't really have a good sense of, of the manner. Well, I complained to you multiple times, and I nearly started screaming out every time a red brick building was shown. Are we at Waymare, or are we at Falcone's whatever? Yeah. But to me, that's one of the things that really is tough for a TV show to do, but when they pull it off, works wonderfully. Getting that sense of the space. Mm-hmm. There was an episode of uh, Sports Night where the camera... Single take, it's going through the studio, the control room, the offices, this, that, and the other, and the, it's it's a ghost town. 
Mm-hmm. And as it starts to loop back to, to where it started, everybody's flooding in saying, oh, wow, that, that, that fire alarm was kind of a, you know, no big deal or whatever. What a, what a waste. We got to get back to work kind of a thing. But it was one of those moments where it showed that there was a, a physical reality to that space. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't get it that often. Serenity had that sort of a thing because they built the full ship. That's what I was thinking, yeah. And with Wayne Manor, they've got certain scenes. We've get, got the kitchen. We've got the study. We've got the, the entryway. Uh, mm-hmm. Trying to think if we even see Bruce's room. No, we haven't. Haven't seen that. Haven't seen Alfred's room. And I'm not saying they need to build out the full thing. But heck, you, you go to uh, the, the Gotham PD Mm. I'm not sure where the records room is compared to the locker room compared to the big gallery area we see. Mm-mm. But that gallery area is nice. It's nice, but it's crazy impractical for oh, police I headquarters. I agree, but it's nice. It's it's theatrical. Mm-hmm. One character I want to see mm-hmm. soon as a villain is the Clock King. His theme is timepieces, obviously. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, why that one? Mm-hmm. Barbara's place. Oh, yeah. Has the big clock window thing. Mm-hmm. When we see the ogre, his place, huge clock on the wall. Um, and there's one or two other places where we just get these huge cl- – the this, this city is obsessed with this. Yeah. Clock King makes sense to me. Okay. And is another street level sort of bridge character going from you just have regular crooks to you have themed crooks to you have the Joker and those sorts. Yeah. But again, they've got time. They just—it's going to be interesting to see how the show progresses with Gordon's rise to to commissioner and Bruce's aging and becoming Batman. Yeah. But overall, I'm really enjoying it. I think it's a lot of fun. Agreed. Looking forward to getting into the second season, seeing who some of the new characters are, mm-hmm. seeing where they go with this, and I would love to see some hints in Arrow, in Flash, in Supergirl, kind of acknowledging. Mm-hmm. This show as mm-hmm. past tense, yeah, agreed. And an arbitrary past tense. Mm-hmm. A decade or two ago, this happened over in. Yeah. So I think they they've done a, a really good job. Well worth watching. It just took a while to to get back on uh, the series because there's just so much coming out. Which you know, I mean, it's it's horrible that there's so much good television. I'll put it that way. Well, it is, but also you know when you get that break of uh, at the the winter holidays. Uh, at least for me, it's hard to get back on shows coming in, not because I don't want to. Obviously, we stockpiled these on the DVR to, to do it. But, you know, I hit the point where I've got the year-end episode, the yearly comic spotlight, the the mail reports, all this kind of stuff. It's just there's a little bit more of a workload at that point for me. Well, and they break the habit. Other shows come on. They're seasonal. Yeah. Which doesn't help. But when I'm out of the habit of saying, Andy, we have a new Gotham to watch. I just don't think we should check the DVR and see if we have a new Gotham to watch. Mm-hmm. So that's hard. Because well, there are other new shows starting up at that point too. Yeah. So it's what do you continue with? What are you most excited about? And yeah. this was one that was easy to let slide in favor of others that frankly I was more excited about. I like this. I like Arrow more. Yeah. I like Arrow. I like Flash more than Arrow. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because when we were kids, it felt like all shows started up within like a two-week period. Yeah. And that may just be because we were kids that it felt like that. But now, the fall season shows, it felt like, were starting back in September, and they're still announcing first episodes. They'll be starting through the first and second week of November. Yeah, they're trickling out a lot slower. 
you know, and that's part of the. I think it's a good, uh, good, good uh, strategy. Good, good move because if everything is premiering the same night across networks, some lose out just because you missed the pilot. Agreed. You know, you pick the wrong one for you, and then it's hard to get into the one you would have liked if you'd seen the pilot. That's where you hope your cable provider offers video on demand, free viewing of the show you missed. It's also where I'm waiting for Google Fiber, where I can get the TV thing and record eight shows at once. Yeah, my cable provider now has a DVR. They'll do six at once. Wow. This is the world we live in, which is definitely not a part of my childhood. No, no, but with all the (laughs) options we've got, it's handy to have that. It is. Anything else? Does that pretty much do it? I think I'm ready to watch season two. Cool. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.